Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. If Jesus were standing with us here today... What are some things he might tell us as he sends us out to do ministry? As he sends us into the world, what are some things he might give us? Now, what I want to be careful of before we read this passage is to to kind of share not really a warning, but just to draw your attention to something, is we have to be careful when we read the Bible that we not read it as some kind of formula. The, the Bible wasn't written so that we could do step one and do step two so step three could happen. Now, sometimes that does exist. The Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That kind of sounds like a formula, doesn't it? But when it comes to methodology and kind of doing some things, um, we need to be careful that we don't read a passage and go, well, because Jesus said it to those guys, that must be exactly how we're supposed to do things. Because we're going to look at a story this morning, a passage this morning, as Jesus is sending his disciples out, that he was very specific to them what they were supposed to do for that time period. And when we get ourselves into the New Testament church, we see they weren't always doing things those ways. But I believe there's some things that we can lift from this passage that very much pertain today, whereas if Jesus were standing here, he might tell us, might charge us as we go into the world. So Mark chapter 6, verse 7, remember last week Jesus was doing ministry in Nazareth, yet people had a difficult time getting over who he was, who they knew him to be, and it's said there that not a whole lot of work could be done. He, He wasn't able to do mighty things because of people's unbelief. And so it said there in verse number six, it says, he marveled because of their unbelief, and then he went about among the villages reaching. Remember, Jesus didn't fret, he didn't get discouraged, he just continued to go. And then in verse number seven, it says, and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if if any place will not receive you, they will not listen to you when you leave. Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Jesus was clear with the mission there. Remember, Jesus is on the move as we're finding ourselves in the book of Mark. His mission was to come and seek and to save lost people. We see there in verse number 12 and 13, Jesus had had been preparing his disciples. He had been teaching them what they would do while they were out there, what they would say while they were encountering individuals. And they took that. They proclaimed to people the need to repent, to turn from the direction they were going in and instead to go after Jesus. They cast out many demons, anointed people with oil who were sick, and people were healed. That was their mission. But before Jesus sent them out, 
He gave them some things that they needed to carry, in ways they needed to carry themselves that I think we can see equivalence to today. So if Jesus were standing here, some of the things he might tell us as he sends us out in ministry, the first is this, we are better together. So don't do ministry alone. We are better together. So don't do ministry alone. He says there in verse number seven, where we see there as Mark is writing, he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. The lowest number that you ever see people doing ministry in the Bible is in twos. Now, there are a lot of times where you see people doing ministry in much larger numbers, but God always sends people out in twos. God always has people walk alongside others as partners, as helpers, as encouragers. Sometimes it's in the form of a mentor and a mentee. Sometimes it's in the form of a discipler and a disciplee. Sometimes we see um, there, are, there are, are couples that are doing ministry together. There are, uh, there are companions who are doing ministry together, but they're always doing ministry together, never by themselves. Even when you think about Moses leading the nation of Israel, he was trying to lead on his own. But remember when his father-in-law came to him and saw that Moses was flat worn out as he was trying to do all that ministry, his father-in-law said, hey, listen, if it pleases the Lord, how about you identify some individuals who can help you as you judge Israel? You're not supposed to be doing it alone. And clearly Moses inquires of the Lord and God says, yeah, that's a great plan. We're not supposed to do it together. I'm to do it on our own. We're supposed to do it together. This is a practice that Jesus continued from what his father had done in the Old Testament. And it's a practice that continues into the New Testament and then continues today. I'll be honest, church. I'm so thankful to be on staff at a church where I get to serve alongside and serve with other godly men and women. I praise God for that. I've been a solo pastor at a church before, and that is exhausting. Sometimes you look at some of the, some of the little churches that'll meet today, churches with 30 and 40 people, Maybe even more than that. I'm saying nothing about the size of the church. But today my heart is leaning after those who will stand behind God's holy desk this morning and preach God's word and do so in some places to where there aren't people coming alongside them to help serve. I'm so thankful for a church that loves its pastor's that cares for its pastors, but is concerned with the time of their pastors. I'm so thankful for that. Gives you opportunity to recharge. One of the first churches I ever served in, I would preach Sunday mornings and I would preach Sunday nights and I would preach Wednesday nights. The expectation every year was that I would preach 150 sermons a year. And this is what I know about me. I'm not good, but 20 times. And I'm trying to use all 20 up front You have about four more weeks. (laughs) It was rough. It was exhausting. 
I'm thankful to be at a place where I can do ministry with other people. I'm thankful God saw fit to curse Brandy, but to bless me by putting us together. (laughs) That I get to do ministry with her. We are never intended to do ministry on our own. The advantage for today is a couple things when it comes to doing ministry together. As Jesus sends us out and he sends us out together, we have accountability built in. We have someone there who is walking with us and getting to call us when we misstep, but also getting to encourage us as we go. When we do ministry together, we find a support system automatically built in. But also when we do ministry together and we find ourselves in difficult conversations, in difficult situations, and we have to make, we have to share hard truths. We have someone there standing by us who is, while we are speaking, validating what we are saying to be true. It doesn't mean you're never going to get into conversations that are one-on-one. Just know this, when Jesus sends us out to do ministry, he always intends us to go together and not go alone. Jesus, we're standing here today. I think that's something that he would share to us is that we are better together, so don't go it alone. But I also think he would say this, and he might even say this first. As he is sending us out to do ministry, he would emphasize the importance of trusting in God above all. Trusting in God for our everything. It says there in verse number seven that as Jesus began to send them out two by two, gave them authority over the unclean spirits, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. The mission was urgent and trust was imperative. He, he was hurriedly sending them out Hey, and as you go, you don't need to take a lot of stuff with you. Take your staff, take the clothes on your back, and go do ministry. Now, that's where it was very descriptive for them, but not necessarily prescriptive for us. This isn't a truth that continues to carry on throughout the New Testament and in today. But here Jesus was, he had had, had prepared them, he had taught them. Now he was sending them, and he was saying they needed to trust him. If Jesus is standing here today, sending us out to do ministry, what is he going to tell us to trust above all? He's going to tell us to trust him above everything. And what greater example than to send out those 12 and to send nothing with them but the truth they knew in their hearts. As they went it was clear that they were to be totally committed to their mission and not tied down by worldly concerns. And church, this is a hard one today. I think this is a difficult one for us to wrap our arms around because is it okay for us to plan? Absolutely. Is it okay for us to prepare as we go out? You bet. But while I believe that planning is good, I also believe that overplanning can kill good ministry. We could plan ourselves to death. A pretty good plan executed is always going to be a 
is always going to be better than a great plan that never gets put into practice. We could meet and we could organize and we could agonize and we could come up with the greatest plan ever, but if we never walk outside the walls of the church, it's all for naught. We haven't done anything. No, we have to trust God. We, have, we need to be wise, we need to plan well, but we need to go and we need to trust God even when the details aren't all put together. Because let me ask you this, have you ever found yourself serving the Lord where you had all the details hammered out and then you got into the act of serving and nothing went the way it was supposed to go? It's called the trip to Alaska. I mean, that trip did not go the way it was supposed to go. The going there and the coming back, some of you might still not have your luggage. We can plan, but that should never take the place of trusting in God. When Jesus sends us out, he says, hey, go together. Go as a team. The minimum is two. It's okay to take more. You'll be your, each other's support. You'll, you'll validate the message that one of you is speaking. There'll be built-in accountability. But as you go, the trust is not the person that's standing beside you. The trust is the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the one that we trust. He's the one that we follow after. We must be committed to the mission. Not overly committed to our comfort. Because that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, listen, as you go, don't, don't take your bag. We don't know exactly what kind of bag that might be. That could have been a beggar's bag to where people would put things out in order to get money. It could have been just a knapsack to where Jesus is legit saying, hey, just take the clothes that are on you. He says, hey, don't take any money with you. You're going to trust in the resources of the people and the communities in which you're going into. And before we kind of, we need to not over-modernize this, they weren't traveling 7,000 miles away from where they were. They were traveling around the area in which they were very familiar with. Jesus also says, hey, listen, don't take your outer tunic. Don't take your outer garment, which was very well could have doubled as a blanket. No, trust in God for everything. In church, as we serve the Lord, we must trust in God for everything. This last Tuesday night, we got to gather together with some leadership in the church, our deacons and our staff and some people that are leading our teams and some small group leaders and people within our student and our kids ministry. And we got to come together. And, and one of the questions that I asked that we got to just kind of popcorn respond back and forth to each other was, was this question. Hey, listen, what are you praying about? What, would, what are you dreaming about? What would you like to see God do in 2023? And, and the neat thing there is that there was an immediate overflow out of people's hearts about things they're praying for. Things they'd love to see happen everywhere from people engaging or re-engaging in church for the first time in a long time. And also to see people transitioning from consuming, being in church, to serving within the church. And everything in between. And the sweet thing about that conversation was that so much of the thing that poured out of people's mouths were contingent and absolutely dependent upon trust in God for all those things. I don't know about you, but you can't make somebody come to church unless they're under the age of 18 which case I would encourage you to make your kids come to church. 
but don't make them come to church just so they can check a block to go to church. Bring your family to church because this is the place where you come together and you, in one voice, lift phrases to the Lord. But trust in God above all. If Jesus were standing here today, I think he would tell us, hey, listen, as you go out, you need to go together. And as you go, trust in God above all things. But there's something else I think that he would tell us. And this is coming on the hills where in Jesus's own hometown, he was rejected. He was vilified. He was, he was almost ineffective because remember, the movement of God is powerful, but it is always tied to people's faith. God's not going to make you do anything. You must believe. Because this is what I think Jesus would also tell, him, tell us. Remain where you are while you're welcomed, but move on when you're rejected. Remain where you are while welcomed, but be willing to move on when rejected. This is probably the hardest one for us to do. And there are a few things that we're going to get into in here in a little bit that we are saying and that we aren't saying. And let me go and address some, something that I'm not saying. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying to give up on people. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Remember, this is, a, this is not um, prescriptive for all of Christianity. You know, this is very descriptive for the 12 disciples that are being sent out. But I think the equivalent is, is that while God is not telling us to give up on anyone, he is telling us you need to be willing to move on to the next person. Because this is what he told them. He said, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. First, the first part, remain where you're welcomed. Stay there until you depart. Don't be looking for the next best thing in the area in which you're serving. Be grateful for the people whose homes have been open to you. Hospitality is a funny thing. Hospitality is tied to someone's heart, not someone's possessions. Here's what experience has taught me. Some of the most hospitable people on the planet are those who have the least. They're people that don't have anything. They're people who might not have the nicest cars, the most stuff to give you, but they have the biggest hearts. And they want to invite you in. Jesus is telling them, hey, when you walk into a home and they accept you into that home, stay there until it's time for you to leave. But don't be looking for the next thing. Church, that's why we have to be so careful as we go about doing ministry. We're not looking for those that can help us. It's so easy to do ministry to people that are going to help you. I mean, for real. Let's just, let's just kind of be okay with this. It's easy to do ministry for someone when they can give something back to you. But rarely is that the kind of ministry that the church is called to. We're not called to do ministry so we can get something back. Well, no, we're called to pour ourselves out, expecting nothing in return. And so when you step into a person's home, who opens their home and opens their heart, Jesus says, stay there. 
But Jesus then told them, if you go to a place that does not accept you, that does not listen to you, then shake the dust off your feet and go. And, and that was strong language there. That's where Jesus is telling them, say, hey, listen, if they don't want you, fine with it. Go to the next place. Because they'll have to answer for not accepting you. Because understand what, what message is Jesus constantly teaching his followers? If, if his followers are rejected, what does Jesus tell them? They're not rejecting you. Who are they rejecting? They're rejecting God. They're rejecting him. So when you shake the dust off your feet, it's, it's not a personal thing. Jesus isn't saying, hey, take this personally. Understanding, understand, this is what they're saying to me. They're saying to me, I don't want you. And they'll have to answer for that someday. And this is where we have to be careful. I don't think that that's the message that's being given to us. I don't think we're being told to look at people and go, fine, you're going to go to hell and then to move on to the next place. That's not our message. That's not what we share with people. Some of you just got real concerned that I said that. And so I said, don't say it. <laughs> I didn't say, say it. But I think some people almost approach it in that kind of a way that Jesus is telling them to say, no, that fine, you can. No, I don't want anyone to have that. I don't want anyone to be separated from God. But I also have to know this. When someone says they don't want to listen to me, there is someone out there that will. And I need to be willing to go to them. I need to be willing to leave one house and go to another house. If I walk up to a house and someone says, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I can't find myself discouraged. I can't find myself taking it personal. No, I need to say, that's fine. Understand by rejecting me, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God. But I have to keep moving. And this falls in line with what Jesus was doing. As we read the book of Mark, Jesus isn't staying anywhere for any period of time. He's constantly on the move, traversing the Sea of Galilee, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He wants to reach people with the good news, not just one person with the good news. It's a message for the masses, not a message just for an individual. So if people want to reject you, Move on and go find somebody else. Because it's a message worth sharing. It's a message that we want people to hear. Stay where you are while you're welcomed, but when rejected, move on to the next place. To emphasize again, <laughs> I'm not saying to give up on people. If you have an unbelieving child, continue to go after that unbelieving child. If you have an unbelieving spouse, continue to go after that unbelieving spouse. If you have an unbelieving parent, continue to go after that unbelieving parent. If you have an unbelieving coworker, continue to go after that un unbelieving coworker. But by all means, as you go after them, go after other people as well. Don't let all your time be consumed with those who don't want to listen. Go find people that will. And share with them the good news. I think where this is probably most difficult today is where we, have find, where we find ourselves or have found ourselves for the last two plus years. 
there's some people who have not been back to church since early 2020. And I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, that pains my heart. And the reason why it pains my heart is because of what I am so appreciative for when it comes to fellowshipping with other believers. It's, it's for the fun conversations. It's for the, it's for the encouragement as we pass each other in the hallways. It's for the snide remarks that some of you love to give to me, which I so appreciate your sarcasm. Just know this, if you fire shots, they'll be fired back. Kirk, you didn't say anything about God. Well, yeah, I love coming to church to grow in my faith with people, with, to, to grow in my faith with the Lord. But that's not the only reason why I come here. I come here because I love fellowshipping with you. And it hurts my heart that people are missing that. But church, if they haven't, if someone hadn't been back for two and a half years, we probably need to change the way that we approach people. And not so much as when are you coming back, but hey, I'd like for you to come with me for the first time. You don't have to say those words. You'll offend somebody. Be careful. But it's okay if you've had the conversation week in and week out, week in and week out. Hey, when are you coming back? To, to approach it from a different direction and just reach out to them and say, hey, I want you to come to church with me this week. What time can I pick you up? But know this, when they say no, reach out to someone who might say yes. Because I believe there are people out there who need to say yes. If Jesus were standing here today, he would send us out together, not alone. I'm convinced that he would say, hey, listen, as you go, you need to trust in me above everything. When you find yourself in a place doing ministry, remain while you're welcomed, but be willing to go to the next place when you're rejected because there are people out there that need to hear. So I want you to ask yourselves a couple questions this morning. Pertaining to this very thing, first is this, are you serving God? That's the first thing, right? He sent them out to do ministry. And what did all 12 of them do? <laughs> all 12 of them went. Jesus said go, and what did they do? They goed, which isn't a word. But that's what they did. Jesus said go, and off they went. And as they went, they went together. Are you serving God? And if so, are you serving him with other people? If not, we have all kinds of places that I believe God might be calling you to step in and serve within the local church. But there are also a lot of places God might be calling you to serve outside the local church. And we want to have that conversation with you. Pastor Greg, myself, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Ryan, Pastor John, we would love to have the conversation with you about what it looks like to serve God and how we can put you in community while you do that. If you are serving God, you need to ask yourself this question, is God my everything? Is God my all in all? Am I trying to do this on my own or am I completely dependent upon God? Here's what ministry has taught me. 25 years of ministry has taught me this. When I try to do it on my own, it, spe it fails spectacularly. 
But when I do it, dependent upon God, it's amazing the things that he does. And this is how God does things. He tends to put you in situations to where when great things happen, it's very clear that it wasn't you that did it, but it was him. Because that's how he does things. But in order to find yourself in those situations, are you trusting God with everything? Is he your all in all? And then finally this, moving on can be hard. But don't forget this, that there are more people that need to hear. There are more people that need to see. And this is probably the, the one thing that boggles my mind the most about 2022 and the world in which we live. I believe there are people here in Benton, Illinois, and the surrounding area in Franklin County who have never heard about Jesus. Kirk, how could that be? I don't know, but I find it all the time. You'll go out there and you'll say, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus. They're like, they'll be like, great, where does he live? They don't know, but they need to know, which means we have to go. We have to be on the move. Jesus didn't stay still, and neither should we. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. Dot com. That's I-B-C-B-E-N-T-O-N dot com.